Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be continuing our teachings this morning on the essence of redemption. This will be part two of a three-part message uh, depending on how far we get today and uh, next week. Uh, but anyway, uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with our tithes and our offerings. And in case you're wondering how you can do so, simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, go to our give page, and you can give them anywhere in the world. In the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can make the checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website is our mailing address. Okay. And we also, if you're in the United States, we also want to say your tax donations are... Um, uh, tax, uh, excuse me, they are uh, tax deductible, uh, and so we are a 501c3 church, excuse me on that. But anyway, we will have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack, and uh, without any further uh, announcements, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. I have a lot to cover. We had a little bit of a late start, so here we are. We apologize for the late start, but here we are. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're talking about the essence of redemption. And I mentioned last week that this is the first teaching series of three different teaching series, a trilogy of teaching series that I'm going to be doing over the next several months. Uh, this one's called the Essence of Redemption. The next one's going to be talking about such a great salvation. And then the third one is going to be talking about uh, the covenant of his blood, and we'll be talking about more about that uh, a little bit later. All of these messages are really what you consider an Easter message, but really, in all reality, that's all we preach here. <laughs> uh, we don't really preach anything else. Once we have this foundation, we can talk about other topics, and we do talk about them, and they're usually, they're usually intertwined with all of our messages. But if you don't have the foundation right, no matter what you build on that foundation, it's going to be mis misconstrued. But if you have the foundation right, everything else begins to fall in place properly. And the proper perspective is the proper doctrine. Even though in the early church, they were steadfast under the apostles' doctrine to fellowship, to, to breaking of bread, to prayer. But the apostles' doctrine was one of the key things. If your doctrine is wrong, everything you believe is going to be wrong. And, uh, and therefore, everything you receive is going to be wrong. Okay, so anyway, we're talking about the essence of redemption. This is part two. I plan on this being a three-part series, but like I said, I have a lot to cover this morning, and we will see how far we get. So we're talking about the essence of redemption. Let's get a little bit of recap from my last week, because we're going to build on that. Our key verse for this, uh, this teaching series right now, the essence of redemption, is Romans 4.25. <coughs> Excuse me. And it says that he was delivered, he, Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. We're going to be dealing with the second part of this verse uh, primarily this morning. He was raised because of our justification. <clears throat> Again, the word justification uh, is another word for righteousness, which kind of goes with our teaching we had uh, at the end of last year, just before Christmas, talking about being established in his righteousness. Okay, We talked about how Jesus went to the cross for our sins. Folks, and, the, and these three messages, and specifically even this message, we're talking about the, at the core foundation of everything we believe. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus went to the cross for our sins. There, we all 
needed redemption. We all needed salvation. Okay, we all need to be redeemed. But what is redeeming? What does it mean? What does redeem mean? Redeem means to purchase. That's the simplest definition of redemption. That's what redeem means. It means to purchase. Jesus purchased us with his own blood. But why do we need why did we need redemption? Why do we need or why did we need redemption? Because we all sin. Okay? The Bible's very clear in Romans 3.23. For we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's where we're going. The last part of the verse. We've all sin- the wages of sin is death. Psalm 51, verse 5. David says, Behold, I was shaped in inequity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So, in, 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 uh, in essence, we all were born in sin. If we, even if we never committed a sin, we were born in sin. We were born of Adam's seed, which is born in sin. But not only were we born in sin, we have all committed sin. We have all sinned. Okay? <coughs> we were all sinners. We're not all sinners now. Some of us are born again. But we were all sinners. Okay? The wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. Jesus came to become, be sin that we might become the righteous God in him. Okay, we talked about that this morning. But the penalty, not only do we all sin, but we all deserve the penalty. And the penalty for sin is death. Therefore, we all needed a Savior. We all deserve hell. Okay? So we talked about last week, we had three major points last week. The first one was that Jesus delivered us from the penalty of sin. Okay? You know, he died for our sins. And in dying for our sins, he... He delivered us from the penalty of sin. Because he died, we live. Okay? But Jesus also delivered us from the power of sin. He delivered us from the penalty of sin. And then he also delivered us from the power of sin. You do not have, sin does not have to have dominion over your life. Because we are under grace. Okay? Jesus, in other words, Jesus did not just only pay for our sins. And he did. And we, we, we have talked for length of that. We will continue to, to, to touch on that. But Jesus also borne our sins. We went to Leviticus 16 last week, and we talked about two goats. And one goat will die for, for, for the sin offering. This is the Levitical law, the Torah. And the, the other goat will be released with a scapegoat. The priest would, would confess all the sins of Israel, and then the, a suitable man would set that, that goat free in the wilderness. So Jesus not only paid for our sins, Jesus also bore our sins. The goat that died was a payment for our sins. Because the wages of sin is death. But the other goat bore our sins. It took it away. It took our sins away. Therefore, we don't have to live in the guilt and shame and condemnation of our sins. Why? We are redeemed. And then then lastly, we discussed last week, point number three, is that we need to learn how to identify with his death and resurrection. We dealt with a lot with the death part. We're going to kind of be continuing with the third, the, the, the resurrection part today. Okay? So we're kind of still, in today we're going to be in part three of, of, this, uh, of this series. Are you following me so far? <coughs> and actually for the remainder, even next week, uh, we will be still in part three. Okay? So it'll take me two and a half weeks to talk about part three. Okay? So first we need to identify with his death, which we talked about last week, and I'm going to recap. And the second part we need to identify with the resurrection, which we're going to talk more clearly today. See, I identify with Jesus. I'm dead to sin, 
and I'm alive to God. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 11 that I reckon myself to be dead to sin and alive to God. We need to reckon both parts of this. We need to identify both with his death and also his resurrection. We don't just identify with his death and therefore we're just still in the tomb. We're still in the grave. No, we and we also don't just uh, identify with his resurrection that we were saved by grace, but we're still in sin. No, we died to sin. We're dead to sin, and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. I've been redeemed. You've been redeemed if you receive Jesus. We've been redeemed. And we talked last week also in our sub-points to point number three, what do we die to? We talked about how we died to sin. Romans chapter 6 talked about that. We died to legalism. Romans 7 talks about that. We died to self, which is talked about Matthew and Luke. Okay, And then we also died to the world from Galatians 6.14. See, in the natural realm, life precedes death in the physical man. But in the spiritual realm, death precedes life. If you really want to experience life, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, there are some things we need to, learn, need to die to. And one of those things is sin. We need to learn to die to sin. Why? Because we die to it. We no longer live, therefore, in it. So, first, so we talked about how you first have to identify with this death, and today we're going to be talking more about how the second part is how you have to identify with his resurrection. Why? Because we have been redeemed. We've been purchased. Okay. So, going back to Romans 4.25, he was delivered up for because of our offenses. We talked a lot about that. We're going to still have to touch on that. Okay. But we're going to be talking about how he raised because of our justification. Both of these have to speak to our redemption. So let's talk about this last part of uh, raised because of our justification. We'll really be talking about it this week, and we're also going to be talking about it a lot next week as well. Justification is central to the gospel. Another word for justification is righteousness. Righteousness is central to the gospel. That's why I preach on this a lot, because I believe it's key. One of my key verses for this is Romans 1, 16-17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Now we're going to be talking about the first part of this verse more in our next teaching series when we talk about such a great salvation. Okay? But the gospel now is the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For in, in it, the gospel, the righteous God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by his faith. Now, we've talked about these two verses. We've talked a lot about in this church, and we will continue to talk a lot about it. But today, I'm really talking about the just. The just shall live by his faith. We're talking a lot about living. We're talking about the resurrection. We're talking about we are alive to God. Will the just live by his faith? How do we become just? The gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus made us justified, made us clean. And we're going to be talking a lot about that this morning, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. Romans 3, 24 says this, For all have sinned, <coughs> and fall short of glory of God. We talked about that already this morning. Being, verse 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption, that's what we're talking about, that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Okay. I want to read this again. We, yes, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's a comma here. 
and I believe that the King James has a semicolon, being justified freely. How? By his grace. Grace means you didn't earn it. You can't, you can't earn his grace. If you can earn his grace, it's no longer grace. Okay? The wages of sin is death, right? A wage is something you earn. We, earn, we deserve death. We deserve hell. But we've been justified by his grace. Not because we deserved it. Not because we earned it. But we received it by his grace. And what, what was his grace? Through the redemption. The purchase. Jesus purchased us by his grace. He didn't have to. It's called the gift of righteousness. And he gave, he, by his grace, he has freely re-justified us. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. We all sin. We all fell short of his glory. But we have been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. He demonstrated, he demonstrated his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's a lot in this chapter 3 that, that it's talking about. Now we're going to be looking at this term justification with a lot of different angles this morning, but justification for now is to be declared righteous. Okay? It's what God has pronounced over you. It's what God has declared over you. This justification. We're going to be looking at some more definitions in just a moment, but let's take that for now. <coughs> God has justified you. God has declared you just. By his redemption, through his grace. Okay? It goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 5, But to him who does not work, but believes on him, Jesus, who justifies ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. So the question becomes, why does God justify the ungodly? Why does God justify the ungodly? Because the ungodly are the only kind of people he has to work with. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There is no other classification of people. Okay? No one is godly enough without Jesus. And if you think you are godly, you need to hear the law. That's what we talked about last week. See, Romans 3.23 says, and it's quoted from the law, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of his glory. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Verse 24. And verse 25, which you kind of skipped over, Actually, Romans 4, 25, we'll come back to verse 25, 24, 25 in just a moment. But Romans 4, 25 says, He was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. This is our key verse that we're talking about, okay? But in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, having been justified, past tense, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, Much more than... Having been justified by his blood, we talked about that last week, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, since we have been justified, we have been delivered from wrath through Jesus. Romans 8, 33 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who, who, who shall charge God's elect? It is God who justifies. See, God justifies us because of Jesus. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let's look at this word justification again. Hopefully I'm making sense. I'm going into a lot of deep stuff here, but I'm going to keep going back and forth a little bit. I'm going to keep looking at it, and then we're going to 
We're going to say some things. <coughs> and we're just going to build precept upon precept this morning. Okay? Justification. In, in, in the Greek, in, in, the, in the original language, it means to be rendered, to declare, or exhibit as righteous. Okay? It means to pronounce righteous. It means to render just or innocent. It means to be free. See, in the gospel, God declared us to be righteous. When you understand what God has declared you to be, it changes your focus. It changes your identity. It changes how you approach life. We're talking about identifying with his resurrection. We're talking about we reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And if you're still identifying as a sinner, and you haven't identified with his death and resurrection, that's, you're going to approach life as a sinner. And you're going to keep sinning because that's who you are. <laughs> You keep identifying as a sinner, you're going to keep sinning. A sinner sins. A painter paints. A baker bakes. Okay? But we are no longer a sinner. We die to sin. And we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Okay? Are you following me? Romans 3.23. Let's go back to it again. If for all have sinned and fall short of glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, we all sin. I'm going to keep hammering it. We all sin. Redemption has paid for the sin of all mankind. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us, has paid, has paid it. We're talking about a purchase has paid for the sin of all mankind. <coughs> That's why John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We all sin, but Jesus died for all mankind. Jesus died for the world. He took away the sins of the world. John also says that this way, at the, at the crucifixion of Jesus, he says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, he cried out, it is finished, and bowed his head, he gave up his spirit. See, the, my point I'm trying to bring here, I can go in a lot more detail with this, it is finished, but the price for sin has been paid. And because the price of sin has been paid, we have been redeemed. Because redeemed means to purchase. Okay? Let's go back to verse 24 real quick. Romans 3.24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There is only one thing you have to do to receive your redemption. You must believe it. Okay? Why? Because Romans 3.25 says... Whom God set forth as a propitiation means propitiation means substitute by His blood through faith. Faith means you believe it, okay? To demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. What do you mean He passed over? Don't you understand the term Passover? We talked about it last week. The death angel passed over. In his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed. Okay? 
He demonstrates his righteousness by passing over the sins. Why? Because when I, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Why? Because there's already been the death in the house. The death of the lamb. The death of the propitiation. Okay? Now let's look at this verse in the King James. Because here it says, to demonstrate, because his forbearance God passed over, here it says, to declare his righteousness, to demonstrate his righteousness, is also to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. The remission of sins that are past. How many of our sins are past? Well, in the sense of the cross, all of your sins are in the past. Do you understand how, how, how things chronologically work in order? We all were born after the cross. So, how many of your sins were past? Well, in the sense of the cross, all of your sins are past. Okay? Jesus, you know, that's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been passed in. Are you making, we'll deal with the left verses first later. <coughs> but he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul made this statement after the cross. You were born after the cross. You were also born again after the cross. Jesus already paid for all of your sins on the cross. He already did that. Because if you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews makes it plain that there is one sacrifice for sin for all time. Jesus made one sacrifice once and for all. He is not going to the cross again. He is not going to die again. He already purchased you. He already paid for it. He already did it. It is done. It is finished. That's why it's called a finished and completed work. Jesus did it once and for all time. We have been redeemed. Let's go back to Romans 3.25 in the King James. For whom God set forth to be real propitiation for faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. See, God knew you would do it and forgave you anyway. God knew you would sin and he forgave you. God forgave you before you ever did it. He knew it. Why? Because he died once and not dying again. God paid yours for your sins before you ever sinned. Let's go, I'm keeping the King James, but let's go to verse 26 in Romans 3. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. <coughs> There's something that God is declaring by his righteousness. So that at this time, his righteousness might be just. Declare at this time his righteousness. Excuse me. There's a colon here. Okay. Under, after the colon, that he might be just. And the justifier of him who believes, has faith in Jesus. The only way God could play fair was to place everything on Jesus. Whoever believes Jesus is justified. Whoever does not believe in Jesus is not justified. Whoever believes in Jesus is righteous. Whoever does not believe in Jesus is not righteous. You are either 100% righteous 
or you are 100% a senior. Sinner. I didn't say senior. Sinner. Okay. You are either 100% saved or you are 100% not saved. The only way you can become saved was believing on Jesus. So that God would be just and justify you. No one is good enough without Jesus. See, when you are justified, we're going to be talking about five things this morning. God pronounced you righteous. These are five subpoints. We talked four subpoints last week about where we died to. But now, this week, we're going to talk about five subpoints of two. Who pronounced you righteous? We are under an umbrella of the third point. Of we need to identify with his death and his resurrection. Last week we talked about his death, we had four points on that. This week we are talking about uh, identifying with his righteousness, so we have five points about when you are justified, five things. First one is you are pronounced righteous. See, whoever believes on Jesus is declared or pronounced righteous. Whoever believes on Jesus is declared or pronounced justified. See, whoever believes on Jesus is given the gift of righteousness. It's a gift. You can't earn it. In Christ, you are 100% righteous. If you are born again, in your born again spirit, you are 100% righteous. The moment you believed on Jesus, you were justified. The moment you believed on Jesus, you were sanctified. The moment you believed on Jesus, you were purchased. You were redeemed by his blood. Let's go back to the King James in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. It's not by the law. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's not the Torah. It's not the, the, more, the Moses' law. Boasting is, is excluded by the law of faith. Okay? That's why. No one is good enough without Jesus. Boasting is excluded. See, faith is a spiritual law that works for anyone, anywhere, anytime. How does it work? You hear the gospel and you believe it. You hear the gospel and you believe it. When you believe it, when you believe the gospel... Then you begin to say it. Let's go back to Romans 3 in the King James, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn your justification. It's given to you by faith in his grace. Now, I want to give you an example of this, a wedding. I'm going to give you an example of how this, how God pronounced us righteous. See, there's a whole wedding ceremony, and people have different elements of how that ceremony will look and function and whatnot. But after the bride and groom exchange vows, the pastor or clergy will pronounce the couple as husband and wife. There's a pronounce. They pronounce it. I now pronounce. Mr. and Mrs., in our case, Dave and Sherry Heppen. Okay? When you believe it, 
and you say it. See, because I am married to my wife, Sherry, there are certain people I am not going to see anymore. What does that mean? I'm not going on dates with other people. Before I met Sherry, before we were husband and wife, I just got around a few times. In other words, I did go on some dates. Okay? But I'm not doing that anymore. I will date with my wife. But I'm not, there are certain people I am not going to see anymore in that fashion. Why? Because I have been pronounced husband and wife. There are certain things I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not going to go on dates with other people. I'm not going to be looking for other gals anymore. Why can I marry? There's certain places, things I'm not going to go. Uh, there's certain places I'm not going anymore. I'm not going on dates. <coughs> right, because I am married. Why? Because I was pronounced husband and wife. I'm not a free agent anymore. Okay? I am in, not employed, but I am married, okay? But I'm going to use this analogy. Because I am married to Jesus, there are certain people I'm not going to see anymore. There are certain people I'm not going to hang around with anymore. There are certain things I'm not going to do anymore. There are certain places I'm not going to go anymore. Why? Because I have been pronounced righteous. I have been pronounced justified. I have been pronounced redeemed. Start living like who you are. Start acting like who you are. You have been pronounced to be righteous by God. You have been declared by God not guilty. You have been declared by God Excuse me, justified. You have been declared by God free. You have been declared by God redeemed. You have been placed on exhibition, exhibition. I can't even get it out. This is my child. God is exhibiting you as his bride, as his child. You have been pronounced the child of God. When God looks at you, he looks at you through Jesus. God sees you as the very righteousness of God in Christ. The verdict is this. The judgment is done. There is no record of your sin. The case has been dismissed. You have been redeemed. Again, let's look at this word justification. I can't pronounce it in the Greek. But God declaring man to be free from guilt. It's God declaring man to be acceptable to him. We're going to talk about more that in a minute. See, he has freed us to be, he has declared us to be free from guilt. He has declared us to be acceptable to him. He has declared us to be redeemed. But justification also means God has already made a judgment. <clears throat> He's already made a verdict. The verdict is in. And it's made in by the highest judge in all eternity. The verdict is in by the highest judge in all of heaven. Justification also means you acquittal 
with an exchange of life. So when you are justified, our second point we want to make this morning, after you are pronounced righteous, you are pronounced acquitted. You have been acquitted. What does that mean? You can't be tried again. The case has been tried in heaven's court, and the case is over. In the eyes of God, it is finished. It is done. You have been pronounced justified. You have been pronounced righteous. We have been redeemed. See, going back to Romans 4.25, he was delivered up because of our offenses, and he was raised because of our justification. And Romans 5.1 goes on with that, the very next verse. Because at the end of chapter 4, the very next verse, 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, our justification is already done. Folks, we are at peace with God. We have been redeemed. He goes on to say in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ redeemed us. He acquitted us while we were doing all the wrong things, making all the wrong choices. See, he goes on to say much more, verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath to him. See, we are going to be delivered from God's wrath. Why? Because a judgment has already been made on the case. The verdict is in. You have been acquitted. You are free. You have been redeemed. Am I making sense? This is the heart of the gospel, folks. Verse 10 goes on to say, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Folks, I want you to see this. If we, when we were enemies for God, we were reconciled through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? We're going to be looking at the word saved in such a great salvation in our next teaching series on such a great salvation. What does saved mean? It means wholeness. It means healing. It means prosperity. It means deliverance. Okay? And so, if when we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to God through his death, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life? We need to identify with his death and his resurrection. <coughs> we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Praise God. We could just end right here. That's nothing to rejoice about. But much more. We think his death, we think the cross was awesome. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We don't think about that. How do I know we don't think about that? The way we're living, the way we're praying, the way we're posting on Facebook. I see a lot of people, well-meaning, sincere people posting the most religious junk on Facebook all the time. Because they don't know this. They don't believe the God. They don't understand redemption. That we have been reconciled through his death, and we have been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, first you have to identify with his death. The second you have to identify with his resurrection. 
I reckon myself to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I've been redeemed. <coughs> because much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, an exchange took place. We deserve death. You deserve death. And you got life. You deserve hell. And you got redemption. He goes on to say, verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. The King James says it this way, now that we've received the atonement. Okay? See, we have received, through his death and his resurrection, we have received the payment, we have received the covering, we received the sacrifice, we have received the reconciliation and the atonement. See, this leads us to our third point, is that when you are justified, you are pronounced accepted by him. You are pronounced righteous or justified. You are pronounced acquitted. And now you are pronounced accepted by God. Approved. Accepted. See, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about we were predestined to the adoption of children through Jesus Christ. We were all predestined to salvation. No one is predestined to damnation. Or are people going to hell? Yes, because they didn't receive the gospel. They didn't believe on the gospel. They didn't, re they didn't believe on Jesus. But no one has been predestined to damnation. They chose that. Or they rejected their salvation. God made a choice in Christ for everyone to be saved. Okay? But God, see, God made the first choice. He made the primary choice. But we must accept it by His grace by faith. He made the move. He's already provided it. He's already redeemed us. But if we reject the redemption, then, then it's not His fault. It's our fault. See, well, Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of His glory, of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the blood. I want to I look at this verse just for a moment here in the King James. Ephesians 1, 6. Let's look at the first part of this, this first phrase, to the praise of his glory, of the glory of his grace. Let's look at that just for a moment. We'll look at the, the other part in just a moment, okay? To the praise of the glory of his grace. Let's look at that. See, in the Greek, this phrase, to the praise of the glory of his grace, means God sees you in your full potential <clears throat> through the grace of God. This phrase in the Greek, if you study it out, and I don't have time to go through all that detailed study, but it means God sees you in your full potential through the grace of God. See, the redemption and the, the cross, if we identify not only with his death, but also his resurrection, God didn't just save you from sin. God has given you eternal life. God has given you abundant life. God has given you life! And some of us are not living! Some of us are not living! We're still in the grave. We're still acting like God through Christ accomplished nothing. We're waiting for heaven. One day it's going to be good, but God today is the day of salvation. See, the praise of the glory also means to the, God sees you in your full potential to the grace of God through the praise of his glory. Let's look at this word glory just for a moment. Okay? It's doxa, or doxin. It means God's opinion. It means God's judgment. It means God's view, which is always and only good. 
destroys you. See, when God sees you as a believer who has put their faith in Jesus, his opinion of you is good. His judgment towards you is good. See, when God looks at you, he looks at you through Jesus. And to the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the blood. Let's look at this word, wherein, real quick, in the Greek. And it means come to a fixed position of us. It means in the grace of God, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. It means God comes to a fixed position of rest in the grace of God that he just said. Wherein this grace of God, the praise of his glory and his grace. Because that's what he said. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein? Wherein what? This grace. God, in a fixed position of his grace, which is the praise of his glory, he, in a fixed position of his grace, he has made you acceptable in the beloved. Let's look at this word acceptable real quick. Charito. And it means to have accepted. It means highly favored. To pursue with grace. To come past with favor, honor, and blessing. See, you have been accepted. You are surrounded with favor by the grace of God. You, he has accomplished you about with favor and honor and blessing. A little choppy in my wording there. But my God has, has in a fixed position of his grace, has accepted you with favor in the beloved. See, many people in the world today struggle with rejection. Many people struggle with rejection from parents. Not all parents, but some people. There are a lot of people who have been rejected by their parents. Not everyone. I haven't been. My wife hasn't been. But some people have. Okay? Some people have been rejected by their spouses. That's why there's a lot of divorces. Okay? But some people have been rejected by their kids. Or their kids have disowned them. The parents and the family. Some people have been rejected by their bosses or their colleagues or someone they admire as a mentor or whatever it might be. Some people have just been rejected in society by friends. People have been rejected by all kinds of different uh, relationships and scenarios. But God has not rejected you. You, by His grace, are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted on the basis of the payment that Jesus made. Not based on what you've done, but based on his grace. See, let's go back to Ephesians real quick. For verse 7, in whom we have redemption. We've been accepted in the blood of In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You have been redeemed according to the ultimate wealth of his grace. You have been forgiven. You have been acquitted with the, according to the ultimate wealth of his grace, the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Let's give this word forgiveness real quick. Forgiveness in the Greek. It means release from bondage. Some of you have not experienced that release because you have not understood his forgiveness, his redemption. 
It means being released from imprisonment. It means to pardon sins. It means to remission for the penalty as if it never committed. Like as if it never happened. It means deliverance. It means freedom. Beloved, church, brethren, sisters, we have been pardoned. We deserve hell. And we got heaven because of Jesus. God has pronounced you to be righteous. The verdict is in. God has pronounced you to be acquitted. The case is closed. The case is dismissed. And God has declared you are accepted in his presence. God has declared you to be judged, to be right and righteous. God has declared you to be free from guilt and shame. Everything I'm saying, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus shed his blood for our sins. And Jesus rose again for our justification. We have been redeemed. We've been pronounced righteous. We've been pronounced acquitted. We've been pronounced accepted by him. Jesus gave us his righteousness as a gift through his resurrection. And many people want to deal with the past, but God says, I'm not bringing it up. I want to say that again. Many people want to deal with the past. But God says, I'm not bringing it up. It's over. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. It's already been dealt with. I've already, it's already been judged. I'm not going to hear it again. The case has been closed. It's over. It's finished. It's done. It's gone. It's over. Paul says in Corinthians, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God has reconciled us. God has made us right with himself. God is not imputing sin on our account. God is imputing righteousness to our account. God made us righteous, and he will not impute sin to our account. That is a gospel in its fullness. The gospel is powerful when you understand it. Stop digging up your past. And stop digging up the past of others. That is not who you are. That is not who they are. Jesus saved you. Jesus washed you. Jesus cleansed you. Jesus sanctified you. Jesus redeemed you. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. All things are of God who has reconciled us, who has made us right with himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, not imputing our sins. And we are not imputing sins on one another. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 again says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us. We implore you to Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous God him. God has pronounced us to be righteous. The verdict is in. God has pronounced us to be acquitted. The case is closed. The case has been dismissed. God has declared you are accepted in his presence. God has declared, pronounced you not guilty. 
God has declared you to be judged, to be right and righteous. Why? Because Jesus died for our sins. He shed, he shed his blood for our sins. He rose again. That is the gospel the good news. So we look so far at three points. When you are justified, you are pronounced righteous. You are pronounced acquitted. And you are pronounced accepted by him. Now we're going to go to the fourth point, which the resurrection spirit of life lives inside you. The resurrected spirit of life lives on the inside of you. The resurrected spirit of life lives on the inside of you. Folks, there's been an exchange that has taken place. Romans 5.11 says this in the King James. <coughs> and not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We talked about this. Let's look at this word atonement real quick. Okay? Atonement means an exchange of equivalent value. An accounting, it's an accounting term, okay? And the price has been paid, and you were given for something. We're going to look at this real quick. See, there's an exchange that's been taking place. And this accounting term means that a price has been paid, and you were given for, let's look at this real quick. We were given for, for death, you were given life. For sin, you were given righteousness. For sickness, you were given health. We're going to look at that in our next teaching series. For anxiety, you were given peace. For poverty, you were given wealth. We're also going to look at that in our next teaching series as well. There has been an exchange that has taken place. Okay? Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus died for your sins, but he also rose again so that he can live his life on the inside of you. He died for your sins. We've established that. And we're going to keep establishing that. But I'm establishing this week that he rose again. He rose for your justification. And by rising for your justification, not only did he pronounce you justified, acquitted, and accepted in him, but he rose again so that he can live his life on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. I want to say it again. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. I'm quoting from Ephesians chapter 1. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. Therefore, now you live completely different. You have been redeemed. Romans 8.10 says this in the King James. <coughs> and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's justification. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. If your body is not dead because of sin, Christ is not in you. <laughs> you have not received what he did for you at the cross. But you reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. But if Christ be in you, if you are crucified with Christ, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. You are not only dead to sin, we talked about that last week, you are alive because of righteousness. Your spirit is alive to God. 
sin and I'm alive to God, I have been redeemed. Again, our key verse. He was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let's look at this in the King James. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead in sin. He made you alive in Christ. You have been redeemed. Let's continue on in Ephesians chapter 2 in the King James verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, are made alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved. You were dead in sin. We talked about that last week. But he has quickened, he has made alive us together with Christ. By grace you, he saved you. By his grace he raised you. And we're going to look at this next week, but by his grace he seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He gave his life. You have his nature. God himself is living on the inside of you. The resurrected Christ is living on the inside of you. Paul, that's why Paul said, Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. But it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. We have established that. But Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And it's no longer me who is living, but Christ. Jesus has taken his, his righteous, righteous life on the inside of me. Jesus has taken his holy life on the inside of me. Jesus has taken his sanctified life on the inside of me. And Jesus has taken his pure life on the inside of me. Jesus has taken his resurrected life. There's no greater power than the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that power, that life, is on the inside of you. Jesus is living on the inside of me. Jesus is living on the inside of you. I have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. There's been an exchange that took place. Peter says it this way to King James, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. I want to go back and read this again. And for as much as you know, you were not redeemed. You weren't redeemed with gold and silver. You were not redeemed with vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. You were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. God purchased you. God purchased you. He rede God redeemed you by his own blood. We, he put his nature in you. You have a new nature. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the likeness of God. He is living his life in you. Romans 8, 10, King James, and of Christ be in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
but of the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a Spirit that dwelleth in you. The greater power on earth is the Spirit of the living God living his life in you. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. You have been redeemed. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in those who believe on Jesus. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. There has been an exchange that took place. We have been redeemed. So we looked at so far this morning, when you are justified, you are pronounced righteous. You are pronounced acquitted. You are pronounced accepted by him. The resurrected spirit of life lives in you. And my last point this morning, because this is true, that your destiny has already been determined. Your destiny has already been determined. What do I mean by that? Some of you are trying to get to heaven on your own merit. You're trying to earn it by your own righteousness. Why do I know it? Because I used to do that. And why else do I know it? Facebook is flooded with posts from sincere religious people trying to earn their way to heaven by what they do instead of what Jesus did. Some of the, they mean well, and they, they teach things I used to teach. But some of these posts talk more about repentance and, and holiness, and they don't talk anything about Jesus. That's not the gospel. I'm all about repentance. I'm all about holiness. But where we defer on is how. You think you're holy because of what you do. I believe I'm holy because of what Jesus did. I'm against sin just as much as you are. But I cannot save myself. Jesus died for my sins. And Jesus rose for my justification. Some of us are trying to get to heaven. But we are not trying. We are not trying to. But we're, we're not trying to get to heaven. It doesn't work. You can't. Okay? There is only one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And none come to the Father except by Him. When Jesus redeemed us by His blood, you became a citizen of heaven on loan to earth. When you became born of God, born again, as a new creation Christ, you became a citizen of heaven on loan to earth. When Jesus began living on the inside of you, you are a citizen of the heaven alone to earth. When you have his righteousness, right, his righteous life on the inside of you, when you have his holiness, his holy life on the inside of you, when you have his sanctification, his sanctified life on the inside of you, when you have his pure life on the inside of you, when you have his resurrected life on the inside of you, you are a citizen of heaven alone to earth. How do I know that? Because Philippians says this way, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we are also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his, his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. We don't have to be bound by our old nature. We don't have to be bound by our old life. We are citizens of heaven 
I know that we have a new nature. We have a new identity. We have a new position. We have a new destiny. Colossians says this way, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting. At the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. He goes on to say, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you are in Christ, seek those things which are above. If you are in Christ, set your desire on things that are above. If you are in Christ, set your mind on things that are above. Why? Because you're dead. Your life is hidden in Christ. You're redeemed. You're dead. So when sin comes along, you say, I'm a dead man. When sin comes along, you say, I'm not alive to that. When sin comes along, you say, I'm dead. When sin comes along, you say, I'm redeemed. When and when Jesus appears, you shall appear with him in glory. We'll talk more about this in, in, in later weeks, especially when we talk about salvation. But in Colossians again, where you die and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The resurrection of Christ frees us from condemnation. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope in eternity because of Jesus. There is now no condemnation. We are redeemed. We have been created new. We have been, we have been made new. We have a new life in Christ. We have a new hope in Christ. God has pronounced us to be righteous. The verdict is in. God has pronounced us to be acquitted. The case is closed. The case has been dismissed. God has declared to you are accepted in his presence. We are redeemed. We're talking about the essence of redemption. And we're going to be continuing to stop next week, especially along the line. We are not only died with Christ. We are not only raised with Christ. We are also seated with Christ. And we're going to be talking about that next week. We are seated in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.